to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Jerry Ewalt, Chief Marketing Officer for Restoration of America. Today, we are blessed to have a return guest and a popular one, climate expert, Tony Heller. As the world is in the midst of energy shortages everywhere, we have to weigh in on what's really happening. Tony, welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's good to be here, Jerry. Thanks. Well, for those that have missed the last show, the last podcast, would you mind giving us a quick, quick overview of your credentials? I think it's going to help in understanding the topic we're about to discuss. Yeah, I've got um, degrees in science and engineering. I've I worked as a scientist and engineer for 50 years. I'm still doing engineering um, for a living. Just um, so my collar is turned up. <laughs> so, yeah, I still I still do engineering for a living. Um, I, became, I I first got introduced to the whole global warming thing when I was working at Los Alamos Labs in 1980, and um, I was a true believer for decades um, until I really started looking into it about 15 years ago. And started seeing a lot of issues. I started realizing that the science wasn't at all what they were claiming. Um, so I, I, eventually I ended up writing an article for a, a um, publication in the United Kingdom, the Register, about what was wrong with all the predictions about Arctic sea ice melting. And kind of went on from there and became my main interest, actually. Um, I was doing engineering. I was kind of tired of doing engineering after decades. And it's, this was a way for me to get back into science and do something useful at the same time. And the more I looked into the whole global warming thing, I, I came to realize the whole thing was just a scam. Um, there was really no science behind what these people were doing. And um, it, it, was, it was politics disguised as science. So here's how I see it, Tony. Uh, multiple degrees in engineering. Uh, you're a true scientist. You know how to critically think about things, not just what people are force feeding you. Um, you. You can work through all that, the data, the facts, do your own analysis to come up with your own conclusions. And you're a true environmentalist. You want to protect the environment. Yeah, I've been, um, I testified in, in a congressional hearing 50 years ago. I'm in part of a wilderness area in Utah. Um, I was active with the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act. Um, so I'm basically a lifelong environmentalist. Um, I was very opposed to the building of Glen Canyon Dam because it flooded, you know, Lake Powell because it flooded Glen Canyon. Um, so and so I've and I yeah I ride my bike everywhere. I don't really like cars. I hate cars. I'd love to see ninety percent of them off the road, but the way to get them off the road is not by lying to people about global warming. Um, there's probably much better ways to help the environment than just engaging in this massive fraud, which we've been experiencing for decades um, under Al Gore and James Hansen and people of their ilk. So, so it's, it's a perfect uh, setup, right, for what we're about to discuss. And I know you were on, this is the second time for you to be on the show. The last time you were on the show was about six months ago. And so much has changed since then. I kind of look at that first uh, show with you as being a bit of a primer for the yeah. energy crisis that we're facing right now, right? Because right now, we, you know, 
We have Russia invading the Ukraine, and all of a sudden, gas prices are through the roof. Yeah. We have this, all this disruption in the Netherlands. We have chaos in Sri Lanka. We have energy, rolling blackouts, California, Texas, things like that. Is there a common thread to all this? Well, you really have to go back 50 years to understand what's going on. Um, in 1974, John Holdren from Berkeley, who went on to be Obama's science advisor, wrote an article saying we needed to um, shut down U.S. energy. He said that the, the dangers of too much energy too soon was much greater than the dangers of too little energy. And there was never any rational explanation for this. And this was at a time when America was suffering severe energy shortages. People would, were waiting in hours to, get, to, to buy gasoline um, during the energy shortages in the mid-1970s. So this has been in the works for a very long time. And this guy, John Holdren, as I mentioned, is who Obama picked to be his, um, his science advisor. And then in, in 2008 campaign, Obama said there was an interview he did with the San Francisco Chronicle where he said, under my plan of cap and trade, energy prices will necessarily skyrocket. And he, he said he wanted to put coal companies out of business. So th this is something which has been in the works for 50 years. Um, and so they've sort of been building up with this whole global warming thing over the past, like I said, my first exposure to it was in 1980. Um, so this, so the, they started shortly thereafter, and they've been just started pushing the global warming scam harder and harder. At the beginning, it appeared to be a scientific debate, but never really was. It's, it was always just politicians driving it, and they've been pushing harder and harder. And at this point, it's all just completely fake. It's being driven by, it's being driven by the media. It's being driven by politicians, and there's really almost no involvement of scientists at all in in it anymore. It, it's it's Alexandria Cortez, it's Joe Biden, um, it's Macron in France, who said today that they're gonna start shutting down on their usage of traf of streetlights at night because they don't have enough energy. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing this all over Europe. We're seeing it in some states in the United States. That this is this is a plan which has been in the works for decades. And of course, they're trying to blame it on Putin. They're trying to blame it on some climate crisis, but that really has nothing to do with it. Um, it's you know, U.S. policy towards Putin is probably largely driven towards this as being a way to create an energy crisis. I think that that's really important what you just said because it, it, we we like to hide behind Putin is the reason for all this. I know in France they were saying they're they're making all these drastic changes uh, to get energy because they feel that any moment they're going to be completely cut off from Russian gas. We see our prices skyrocketing uh, in terms of gas as well. And you're 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 saying that that's all been in the works for at least fifty years, maybe longer. Not as a result of the last six months of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, I, I just posted a video on my YouTube channel from 1997. It was Joe Biden saying, the one way you can be sure to create hostilities with Russia is to um, bring um, countries from Eastern Europe into NATO. So he's known, he's known for 25 years that he could create hostilities with Russia by doing exactly what he's been doing. 
So what's going on there isn't accidental. Um, it, it was intentional. They they um, they they knew they could create hostilities. They knew they could create this energy shortage, which is what they've wanted to do. They've you know, Obama said in 2008 he wanted to make electricity prices skyrocket, and and that's exactly what they're doing. No, and and you've been you've been vocal for some time now about you, you talk about this first exposure in the 80s. You've been vocal about global warming and climate change, the scam that we're seem to be taking on right now. And you know, up until now, it's it seemed very esoteric for most people. But yeah. now, this ideology that we're discussing is leading to very destructive destructive policies, and you know, people are starting to finally take notice. Do you sometimes wish that people would have been listening to you years ago? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's obvious to me there there was no, you know, I was I was thinking about why are they doing this? Why are they telling this big lie? And whenever governments tell a big lie, they they have some very nefarious intent. And the only thing that ever made sense about it was, you know, they're demonizing fossil fuels, which our civilization depends on to survive, and billions of people around the world depend on to survive. It's the only things that made any sense. Or why are they doing this? Is one is to shut down the supply of energy, and the other which is something they've also been quite open about, is to reduce world population. You know, without adequate energy during the winter, during a cold snap in the winter, you can kill a lot of people really quickly. And and food prices are very dependent on energy prices. So we're seeing, we're seeing food prices skyrocket. So, so between very high, very expensive energy and very expensive food, what faster way to get rid of poor people than exactly the actions they've taken? So this is just further evidence in controlling people's lives, controlling population, things like that. It's just another uh, cog in the wheel, if you will, of what they're trying right. to accomplish. Yeah, it, it has nothing to do with science. It has nothing to do with climate. It doesn't have anything to do with bad weather. It's about controlling the energy supply and controlling the food supply. So I like how you just did that. So you connected energy to food because I don't think people always do that. So what we're seeing is these, uh, what we'll say, green leftists, right, who are, are talking about climate change and, and, and green energies and all these things. But it's not just energy. They're now coming after our fertilizers, our beef. And even our land, right? Are, is, this, is this a true threat? Are we sleeping through this or is this imagined? Oh, I think it's a very real threat. I mean, they've, they've been one of the, you know, something that I became aware of about 10 years ago was how they were demonizing methane, you know, um, which is um, cows burp out methane. And it didn't make any sense scientifically. Methane is irrelevant as a greenhouse gas, but they made up all these lies about methane is 30 times more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide is. We have to cut back methane, and they were tying this into cattle. So it was obvious they were trying to get rid of, uh, destroy the beef industry with us using this fake science. Um, and... You know, methane makes up less than two parts per million in the atmosphere. It's completely irrelevant as a greenhouse gas. Climate modelers frequently even ignore it. it. It's such a small part. But they've been telling this big lie about methane is 30 times more potent as a greenhouse gas, and it's going to melt polar ice caps and destroy the planet. And the reason was to target the beef industry. 
And now they're doing the same thing with um, nitrous oxides, which is even less important than methane. And nitrogen is the excuse they're using to shut down all these farmers in the Netherlands right now. So we, we have a full-out war on beef going on right now. Bill Gates is heavily invested in the fake beef industry. He's the number one owner of farmland in the United States. So he stands to gain a lot of money by shutting down the beef industry. So he's been supporting all of this anti-beef propaganda from NPR and, and you know, these other fake news agencies. So, so they start off with methane collecting uh, devices. I feel bad for these, these cattle. Uh, yeah. And, now we're, and <laughs> now we're shifting towards just eliminate them altogether and let's just have fake beef, right? Artificial. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's, it's totally ridiculous. There were, in, in the 16th century, which was the coldest century of the last 10,000 years, there were 100 million bison roaming the Great Plains where I live. You know, there, there's, there was just as many bovines in the 16th century as there are now, but it was extremely cold. Um, and so this whole thing of trying to say that we have 100 million cows in the United States now and they're causing global warming is absurd. You know, the historical record doesn't provide any evidence for, for their claims, but it doesn't matter because nothing in, nothing in this whole scam is about science. It's, it's absolutely true, and I, I I need to go then to this next topic because this is this is probably the hottest topic that I I get asked this question all the time, right? Electric vehicles, they are clearly going to save the environment if we just stop using fossil fuels and buying those cars with those traditional engines and move to completely electric vehicles. It's amazing. There's no a car. There's no emissions coming from these cars. It's completely clean. The environment will be saved. Tell the audience where the uh, the electricity comes from, where, where it's, how it's powered, and then where does the actual battery itself, the raw materials, where do those come from? Are they really environmentally well, friendly? Well, the funny thing is, you know, California has, has made this mandate that it, they're not going to sell any new um, gasoline-powered vehicles after such and such time. Um, so they, they have to get their, so everything will have to be electric vehicles, um, they're telling people that if you can't afford $6 gas, you should buy a $50,000 electric car, which will never pay for itself. Um, but the big problem, California is running short of electricity as it is. They're shutting down the Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant. So they don't have enough electricity for their current needs, and they're trying to hugely expand their electricity demands with all these electric cars. And there, there's all kinds of problems with this. One thing, there just won't be enough electricity. Another thing is, if you take the millions of cars which are currently driving on California highways and try to make them electric, suddenly you have a huge problem. You, you can refill a gasoline-powered vehicle in five minutes, but an electric vehicle, even with a, a fast charger, takes 40 minutes. So now you need eight times as many pumps you need a huge infrastructure. You need to be able to deliver huge amounts of electricity to these stations. I saw a video recently of people waiting for hours to recharge their Tesla in California. Now, you, suddenly, you increase the, the number of electric vehicles by a factor of 50, 
Now people are waiting for days to recharge their electric vehicle. So what happens is essentially travel, long distance travel becomes impossible. Um, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're creating a permanent lockdown where um, very few people will be able to travel. We need a huge amount of electricity. This means putting um, gigantic transmission lines all along scenic roads right now. You, know, you, can, you can transport gasoline and diesel in a tanker to a remote gas station. But you can't do that with electricity. Now you have to have massive power lines along all of the scenic roads in the West. So it's an environmental disaster. And the batteries themselves are an environmental disaster. Um, a lot of the materials being used are in very short supply. The mining of them is, in, is environmentally destructive. A lot of it is being mined by people who are essentially child slaves in Africa. So they're, they're using child slaves to create an environmental disaster. Um, there, there isn't enough raw materials to do what they say they want to do. Um, and they don't have enough electricity to begin with. So what's going on in California behind the scenes is, is they shut down their own electrical supply. The California government is making deals with Wyoming, the state of Wyoming, to purchase coal-fired electricity in the future. So what they're going to be doing is they're going to be recharging these, and the, the public isn't aware of this, um, but so the, the, they're going to be recharging these electrical vehicles in California with coal-fired electricity. So what they're actually doing is creating more pollution because um, the coal the transmission of the, of the electricity from Wyoming, they lose a lot of electricity. So they're actually generating more pollution than they would have been had they just left everything alone back in California. So the, the whole thing, is it's, it's a huge mess. Not, nothing they're doing makes any sense environmentally, engineering-wise, or from an economic point of view. So, so Tony, you, you said a lot in that, and, I'm, and I want to repeat some of this yeah. because it's, it, it's so valuable, that learning, right? So one thing, the more electric cars we put out there, the more it's going to cause a disruption to the uh, energy grid, right? Because it can't handle all this charging. What used to be done by gas is now done by charging. That, that's one thing. Two, you talked about uh, cars not being able to go very far you have to, without another charge, right? So there's, there's a control aspect, which we talked about earlier, right, of how the government uh, is trying to control what, where people go, what people do, what they put in their bodies, what they eat, all these things. So there's another control aspect to this. Then you're telling me that there's not enough raw materials to make the battery, and when they do make the battery, it's coming from uh, different foreign countries, uh, some that might not be very friendly to us and used uh, uh, child labor and, and, and slave labor and all these types of things. There's still not enough of that, right? And, then, and now there's people waiting in line to get the charge that they need and they can't do it. And then we're buying electricity from maybe other states, if you're in California or wherever you are, where they're using coal to produce the electricity and then transport that electricity across state lines for miles upon miles where you have energy loss along the right. transmission lines. And therefore, we're creating even more pollution than when we started with just gas cars. Did I get right. That yeah, you, yeah. And, and it's worse than that. Then you've got this huge waste disposal problem of the batteries, which are made from toxic chemicals. They use lithium, which is explosive. Um, there's a lot of problems with that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a massive mess. Nothing makes any sense. You know, they want people recharging 
their car batteries with solar power, but they're telling them to recharge them at night um, when there's no sun shining, so there's no solar power available. Um, the whole the whole thing is 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 a complete disaster from one end to the other, and it's based on junk science. It's there's there's no legitimate science behind what they're doing. If they just left everything alone, we would have been fine. There was we've got huge amounts of fossil fuels. The only reason we have energy issues is because of interference by government. If government got out of the way, there wouldn't be any energy shortage. We, the energy would be cheap, it would be abundant and available. So this is a completely government-created crisis. Tony, that doesn't sound like progress to me. No, I'm kidding. No. I, I like what you just did to me too, right? I said, you know, as I kind of outlined everything that you just said, you go, but there's more. Right. <laughs> so the question is, is this good at all? Like when, here, here's the way I look at it, right? I, I, I don't think anyone's against renewable energy, uh, energy that's going to produce less pollution in the air. I mean, nobody's against that. Everyone is, would be for that. The real challenge that we're seeing is that the technology and infrastructure is not there yet. It needs to advance, progress over time, but it, we're just not there yet. So we can't be pushing this on people. Well, I would just, I guess I'm going to have to disagree with what you said a little bit there. Um, both solar and wind are very environmentally destructive. They take up huge amounts of space. The wind power, you know, one, one um, wind farm in California has killed about 10% of the Golden Eagle population in the United States. Uh, they're, they're, they're terribly destructive to raptors. Um, they take up huge amounts of space. Um, they they involve toxic chemicals. Um, there's all kinds of problems with them. And um, frankly, fossil fuels are less environmentally destructive than wind and solar are. Um, the hydroelectric is incredibly destructive um, form of energy. I mean, you know, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, Glen Canyon Dam was the most beautiful, Glen Canyon was the most beautiful canyon on the Colorado River, and they flooded it to build Lake Powell. Um, they, you know, they destroyed you know, this, hundreds of miles of the Colorado River ecosystem when they built it. And downstream from uh, Glen Canyon, the Grand Canyon, before, before 1963, the Grand Canyon... The water in the Grand Canyon was warm, muddy water. They had a totally different ecosystem. Now it's cold, clear water. So they changed the ecosystem of the Grand Canyon. They changed the type of fish which live there. So basically they destroyed the entire Colorado River in Arizona from one end to the other by building Lake Powell and Glen Canyon Dam. So yeah, it's, everything, everything they're doing is wrong. Okay. I mean, I think we could probably be here for another hour and you'd find more and more that, that's wrong. Right. So I guess your solution is ride your bike and stick with yeah. fossil fuels when you can't get there by bike. Yeah. Fossil fuels, for the, from the environmental point of view, fossil fuels are much cleaner. We did have, in the 1960s, we had terrible problems with pollution from fossil fuels. Um, cities, air pollution in cities was horrible. Um Coal-fired power plants were putting out huge amounts of smoke, and they, they, we had a lot of environmental problems, but we cleaned those up 50 years ago. They put electrostatic precipitators 
on, on coal-fired power plants, which reduced the emissions by 99%. Um, we put all these emission controls in automobiles. So now fossil fuels are very clean and they have a much smaller footprint on the ground. Um, but, but we're replacing them with much more environmentally destructive forms of energy, which they, they try to sell as green energy. So the, the whole thing's a fraud. Oh, it's, uh, I, I didn't even think of it in that, that perspective, but that's, that's, uh, that's very good information. So my last question for you, Tony, uh, this, is, this is important uh, for us in the political realm here. So are Republicans uh, making a mistake by trying to finesse this climate change issue, right? They're, they're trying to get around it or get by without really taking on the fundamental issues that the earth is rapidly, if the earth is rapidly warming. Why are they afraid to argue the point and kind of hit this one head on? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. You know, Winston Churchill said, an appeaser is someone who feeds the crocodile hoping it will eat him last, uh, which is exactly what the Republicans are doing. They're not solving any problems. And Alexandria Cortez made a very good point. She said, the world's going to end in 10 years and Republicans are saying that it's too expensive to fix it. And that's exactly right. If, if you allow people to believe that there actually is this existential crisis, the argument that it's too expensive to fix it is meaningless. You know, you, you have to get to the root of the problem. You have to, the Republicans needed to a long time ago just say, this whole story is fake. It's junk science. There is no climate crisis. Um, and, and attack it from that point of view. But the, the approach they've taken is, it's too expensive, which makes no sense. If people think they're going to die, then the cost of, of fixing it is meaningless. So they, they, I've been trying to get this message across to Republicans in Congress, and I've met with many of them. You've got to drop this. You've got to stop doing this, you know, Alexandria light routine. You've, you've, you've got to directly confront the issue and say, this is junk science. It's fake. We've got to stop this agenda cold. But they're afraid of it because this perception's been created that 99% of scientists believe this and anyone who goes up against it is a knuckle-dragging Neanderthal science denier. And, and that's where they're stuck at. They don't want to be con con Republican congressmen, don't want to get called out on CNN as Neanderthal science deniers, right? Because then they look bad and, and then they lose, they're afraid they'll lose votes. You know, I'm, I'm hoping we get to that day where that becomes a badge of honor to go on CNN right. and be called that Neanderthal knuckle dragger. Um, but we're not quite there yet. But I, I think we're, we're moving in that direction, would you say? Well, hopefully. I mean, the people who've tried to go there, like Ted Cruz, uh, a few years ago, he did a Senate hearing and he featured one of my graphs. Um, but unfortunately, he didn't talk to me before he did that. And he didn't really understand the graph. And then he... Um, was un unable to follow up. He, he got his first point right, but from then on, he wasn't able he wasn't able to proceed further in the hearing with with coherent arguments because he didn't really understand it. So what they need to do is they need these politicians. They need to sit down with me for a few hours so I can teach them not only the first question but the second and third and how to keep responding. Um, and so it, it's a lack of education. I think there's a lot of these Republican congressmen 
have have good intentions, but they don't have enough knowledge, and they don't they don't know how to f- play a complete chess game. They can make the first move, but then they don't know how to respond to these very well organized people on the Democratic side, who know how to follow up and make them look bad. Well, well, Tony, I think it could be a little intimidating, and and you're right. I mean, the the amount. Of science that goes into this, there's there's a lot there, and you said a lot of it's been misled uh, and, and confused, right? And it's easy to be, you know, for for someone to come against you and say you're that Neanderthal. So I, I do agree. I think they need to spend some more time with you because I know uh, our, our audience just learned a lot on the second go around. So we'll have to have you back again for a third one because there's a lot here. But uh, I do want to thank you for your time and uh, uh, thank you for all that you're doing and, and just just keep driving forward. We need you. Okay, thanks, Jerry. Enjoy talking to you. All right, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.